Hi, welcome to my podcast, where today I'll talk about how Peter preached in the home of a Roman centurion. My name is Tim Harner. I am a Christian author and apologist, a graduate of Houghton College and of Harvard Law School, where I was an editor of the Harvard Law Review. As an attorney, my primary role has been as a general counsel. Therefore, I call the six books that I've written the General Counsel series. The first four books of the series outline the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, providing scriptural backing for the final installments of the series that outline the history of America and the history of the Church Universal. I post my latest thoughts regularly on my website, timharner.com. For this podcast, please reflect on the questions, when have you thought that someone was impure or unclean? In your mind, what made the person impure or unclean? How did you come to realize that God doesn't make anyone impure or unclean? In what ways have you changed to live the way of love better? And now, as I talk about how Peter preached in the home of a Roman centurion, let's pray that the Lord will let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in the sight of the Lord our God, who is our strength and our Redeemer. Today's thoughts are based on the chapter, Peter Preaches in the Home of a Roman Centurion, in my book, Lighting the World. It is challenging to know that, no matter how many great things we have already done to light the world with God's love, there are still many ways that we must change to live this way of love better. By this time in his life, Peter's resume already could list a number of major accomplishments. Peter had spent several years as a close companion and advisor of Jesus, being taught directly by Jesus himself. Peter had given the sermon on the day of Pentecost, the day the church was born, that led 3,000 people to join the church. Peter had healed so many people that they brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Most recently, Peter had raised a dead woman back to life. Yet, despite this string of accomplishments, Peter still had more to learn about the way of Jesus. In particular, he had to learn that the love of God is not limited to any particular culture or nation. Not even the Jews, with their wonderful history and traditions, is God's people, as God had promised Abraham about 2,000 years before Peter lived, when Abraham began the journey to the promised land. The promised land will bless all peoples. Peter had grown up in a culture that believed that Jews such as Peter should not associate with non-Jews who were called Gentiles. To change Peter's attitude toward people from different cultures and nations, God intervened in Peter's life to show him that he should not call any man impure or unclean. As a result, Peter came to realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism 
but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. As so often happens, God touches people after they have taken the time to pray. Peter had gone up on the roof to pray. Then, as so often happens, the mundane realities of life distract people from spiritual disciplines such as prayer. Peter became hungry and wanted something to eat. And then, as so often happens, God used these mundane realities of life to teach spiritual truths. While the meal was being prepared, Peter fell into a trance, during which he saw a vision related to his hunger. In this vision, Peter saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It must have been an extremely large sheet, because it contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. Then Peter heard a voice tell him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. The command to eat all kinds of animals, reptiles, and birds repulsed Peter. As a Jew, he had grown up in a culture and religion with strict dietary laws about what could be eaten and what must not be eaten. Indeed, these rules about eating only kosher food, based on the Mosaic law, persist to this day among Jews. So instead of obeying the command to eat all kinds of animals, reptiles, and birds, Peter replied, Surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice answered, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Peter awoke from his trance wondering about the meaning of the vision. God used a coincidence in timing to reveal the vision's meaning to Peter. While Peter was still wondering what the vision meant, three men arrived at the house looking for Peter. These three men were not Jews. Normally, Peter would not associate with them. But the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. When Peter asked the men why they came, they told him that they had been sent by Cornelius, a centurion in the Roman army. This meant that Cornelius was a high-ranking officer roughly equivalent to being a general of a division in today's army. They told Peter that Cornelius was a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. The purpose of their visit was to invite Peter to come talk to Cornelius because a holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. If, as seems likely, these men were Gentiles, this gesture of hospitality showed that Peter was beginning to change his attitude toward Gentiles in response to his vision and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Peter was beginning to realize that he should not consider people such as Cornelius and his family impure. One of his guests was a devout soldier, and Peter presumably was told 
the Cornelius and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Peter did not delay going to see Cornelius. The next day, Peter started out with them. Peter and his guests did not set out alone. Some of the brothers from Joppa went along. We are not told why they came. Perhaps they came because Peter wanted some familiar traveling companions and some people to help teach about Jesus. It is also reasonable to assume that Peter wanted some witnesses to what would undoubtedly become a controversial event, Peter going to the home of a Gentile to tell him about Jesus. Cornelius also realized the importance of what was happening. He had called together his relatives and close friends, and as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. Peter did his best to put Cornelius at ease. For starters, Peter made Cornelius stop falling at his feet. He told Cornelius, Stand up. I am only a man myself. He talked with Cornelius as they went inside his house. Inside the house, Peter found a large gathering of people. Entering a house full of Gentiles was so unusual that Peter felt the need to explain why he was willing to do it. He told the gathering, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. It shows the depth of the rift between Jews and Gentiles in his culture that Peter felt the need to explain why he shouldn't call his hosts impure or unclean. Having done his best to lay such awkward prejudices aside, Peter was ready to get down to business. Peter began with a question. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius explained that an angel had told him to send for Peter. So now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Peter began his sermon by acknowledging the change that God had made in his own heart and soul and mind. He said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. Peter then began giving his basic sermon about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. God raised him from the dead. Jesus is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. At this moment, Even before Peter finished his sermon, God intervened in history to make it clear that everyone 
who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Such forgiveness is not limited to Jews. Such forgiveness is for non-Jews as well. Because while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Their culture had taught them that non-Jews were impure. Now, God was teaching them that non-Jews who believe in Jesus receive forgiveness through the name of Jesus and are pure enough to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The circumcised believers could tell that Cornelius and the other Gentiles had received the gift of the Holy Spirit because they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Peter ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. To the Jewish believers, often referred to as circumcised believers, who may have hesitated to accept non-Jews as fellow believers in Jesus, Peter reasoned, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Word spread about what had happened. Not everyone was happy that non-Jews were becoming believers in Jesus Christ. As astonishing as it is for us to understand this today, when non-Jews make up the overwhelming percentage of those who believe in Jesus, and when most Jews refuse to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, these first believers in Jesus, who were all Jews, were upset about Peter's actions at Cornelius' house. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter defended his actions by explaining everything to them precisely as it had happened. Throughout his defense of his actions, Peter stressed that it was God, not Peter, who was initiating events. In a vision, God taught Peter to stop considering non-Jews impure. In a vision, God told Cornelius to send for Peter because Peter would bring a message through which Cornelius and all his household would be saved. Peter's clinching argument was that, even before Peter could finish his sermon, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? Peter's story and arguments convinced his listeners. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. And so, then as now, God is always giving us new insights into his ways. No matter how impressive our resume is, God still wants to stretch our horizons and show us better ways to live in love. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
Despite our limitations, this passage reassures us that we can still light the world for God, because the Lord also declares that my word that goes out from my mouth shall not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And so, as the word spreads that everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins, the Lord promises that he will light our lives and our world, because when the word of the Lord goes forth, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. I hope you enjoyed this podcast today. If you did, please share it with a friend and find me on Facebook and Instagram as well as on my website, timharner.com. My book, Lighting the World, contains citations to sources, including the scriptures. Until we are together again, may the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord turn his face toward us and give us peace.